Holy God, we give thanks for this, your word, and we pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, this would be to us your living word. Mold us, shape us, convict us, encourage us, make us more into your likeness in and through our hearing of this word this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This fall we have been looking at the book of Jeremiah. Just have this week and and next week in it before we we round out our our look at it. It's a massive book in the Bible. haven't nearly covered all the aspects that are there. but, But very generally, Jeremiah is this prophet who for 40 years preached to God's people, was sent to preach to God's people with a pretty tough message as they were um, moved from a place of homeland in Jerusalem and and, and sent into exile, the Babylonian exile. And and this was ultimately God's own doing, a punishment for their disobedience. And so this whole process of exile, during that process, that's when Jeremiah speaks, that's where he's preaching. And one of Jeremiah's more well-known passages comes from chapter 29, verses 4 through 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons. Give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they are dreaming, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, says the Lord. For thus says the Lord, only when Babylon's 70 years are completed will I visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. If you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me, says the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. And our New Testament reading comes from Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a savior the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. A few months ago, we were clearing a bunch of stuff out of our basement and I posted on Craigslist a whole bunch of this Free stuff that was perfect for moving. We had cardboard boxes, large plastic bins, small plastic bins, bins specifically for holding dishware and glasses. And I just wanted someone willing to come down and just take it off of our hands. And I've posted things on Craigslist before and here, here and there over the years. Never have I posted something and within 20 minutes easily had a dozen responses. 
Are they still available? Can I have the boxes? I will leave work immediately if you are anywhere in the greater Richmond area. I failed to take the ad down right away. I wasn't near my computer for a bit. But, but when I finally did, I, I, had, I had upwards of, of 30 people asking for these boxes. And it struck me, we really are a people on the move. I mean, sometimes it's an exciting move. It's moving for a job, for family, school systems. And even when it's an exciting move, a hopeful move, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, not just physically, all of the, the carrying of stuff, but the emotions of saying goodbye to a certain space of shared memories, a certain neighborhood, a certain routine. How much harder when the move is, is not one we really wanted or would have chosen or, or thought we'd have. You're moving because of an illness, moving because you need to be in the treatment center, moving because of the family, moving because there's a need now for assisted living, moving to the next foster home, moving back home after not finding work. And then even as there is so much motion going on with all of us and and right around us, we're also living in the time of the greatest refugee crisis since World War II. Our world is on the move. And no matter where it's happening, when it's happening, how it's happening, at some level, every single move is hard. Some moves nearly destroy us, as was the case of the people of God who were sent into exile by the Babylonian Empire. As I said earlier, uh, this, this being taken into exile is really the context for the entirety of the book of Jeremiah. The, the people there sent away from beloved Jerusalem, their homeland, at the hands of the Babylonians. And it's really behind that, God. And, it, and it's a punishment for their disobedience. And, and in this case, it's a move not only from, from home, not only a move from autonomy as a nation, but a move away from their very theological center and grounding. They understood God to be especially present in the temple, understood God to have given them a promised land. What are they, who are they, with no temple in Jerusalem and no land? There was a most debilitating grief among the people in this move. We know that because their grief is made known to us in some of the Psalms, in particular Psalm 137. That Psalm opens with this, by the waters of Babylon, the, the new home, we sat and we wept as we remembered Zion. Seated, settled, grieving. In the Psalm it continues and it declares this sort of heartbreaking allegiance to the homeland of yesterday. If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand, musicians, forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. There, there is this dogged determination amid grief not to forget the home that once was. The beloved they have lost. It's perhaps not unlike, at some level, how some of us have things in our house. Some of those things are broken or worn or old or silly. But they're things from an, a version of an old home. And may our tongues cling to the roof of our mouths if we ever forget. 
Of course, grief has many forms. Experts will talk about the five stages of grief and how we will vacillate between these, among these five stages in difficult times, right? Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. This psalm begins in the deep sadness, the depression, and suddenly it moves to the grief of anger. In particular, if you, if you look at Psalm 137, we move to this place where I will not forget you, Jerusalem, to all of a sudden being very upset at Babylonians. Daughter Babylon, Babylon it, it, it begins, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us, the psalmist yells. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Infants violently killed. This is a prayer in the Bible. This is grief made known through deep anger. An anger that now points the finger at the Babylonians. Blames them for the fact that now they don't have their home. Blames them for the fact that they're here and not in beloved Zion. Blames them because now they can't get back. It's your fault. May your people have no future. Two of my very best friends growing up, childhood, into high school. We went to college together. We grew up in the same church. Shortly after college, these two, they get married, and and they they find themselves living in downtown Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And Michelle and I, we make a brief visit to them once when we happen to, to be nearby. And they, they're in this really cool area with all these great spots to sort of eat and, and walk. And, and she has a neat job teaching French, and he was in law school. But the thing that stood out to me with, uh, during that one evening we really got to share some, some good time together is, is how they said, you know, truth be told, it's been hard living here. We miss the community we had in, in college We miss that church, that Presbyterian church, the really big, wonderful one we shared growing up. We haven't found a church like that in Milwaukee. It's been hard finding friends. Just meaningfully connecting has been pretty hard. And part of me wanted to throw out ideas. Have you tried this or encouragements? It's going to work out. But then part of me realized that probably some, some of this was their very first space that they'd had to name honestly their grief about moving. To ask others to join them in prayer about what they are going through. Because they're right, there is grief in any move. Geographical, emotional, career, life stage, health. And healing begins in some ways in simply naming that, praying that. I am so grateful Psalm 137 and all of its ugliness is in the Bible. Because it gives us a prayer language to name our grief before our God who can take it, before our God who hears us. It gives us a way to pour out our grief lest it splatter in all kinds of other ways. And yet... As utterly essential as it is to name and pray our grief in these moves, it's apparent that in Jeremiah's time, some have been stuck in their grief. 
Psalm 137 even speaks of those who sat and wept. And apparently some have been sitting for a really long time. They're, they're spending a lot of energy remembering Zion just like it used to be. Remembering Jerusalem just so. They may have packed up all their boxes because they had to. But they can't find the energy to unpack. They wonder if unpacking will in fact be unfaithful to their home. They need the memories boxed just so. Or it appears that others continue to feel victim of awful Babylon. And so, so much of the time they just sit in their anger. It is your fault. It is your fault I'm in this situation. Your fault. Their fault. Your fault. And it's into this kind of deep-seated grief that Jeremiah 29 is spoken. A sad people, a mad people, a pointing fingers people. And the word is this. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Increase in number. Marry. Have families. If there are five stages of grief, it is evident that Jeremiah is pushing the people to move through the sadness and anger and into the full acceptance stage. Make a home in the home you did not choose. And actually, Jeremiah's word does not stop there. Because apparently, Jeremiah doesn't want the people of God to simply and only unpack all their boxes and build these new houses right next to each other and plant these gardens in the soil they didn't even want and have sort of a little God cul-de-sac. And then the crazy, terrible Babylonians just can do whatever they want over there. Right, because the next verse, verse 7. Jeremiah continues and says, And seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray for it for the Lord, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. The very people that in Psalm 27, 137, sorry, the psalmist says, You are doomed to destruction. May, May your infants be dashed against the rocks. The word of the Lord says, yet them seek, seek, work for, pursue their peace, their welfare, their prosperity. Seek the good of the city into which I have sent you. And, And pray for it. Pray for your enemies. It sounds a lot like a word that is to come later in scripture. Then in the last portion of that remarkable verse 7, we hear that the people of God, they're they're supposed to be so interwoven with their Babylonian neighbors that, that anything that ends up being for the welfare, the health, the vitality, the prosperity of Babylon is also for the prosperity, the health, the vitality of the people of God. If it prospers, you will prosper. Or other translations put, in its peace, in Babylon's peace, in Babylon's wholeness, you will find your peace. And so here you have these people aching for their home of yesterday on the banks of the rivers of Babylon, spending all this time and energy trying to remember and hold on Making oaths they will never forget what they had. The peace they know there. Wishing and hoping they could have that home again. And God's word is, if you want to find that peace, it will be found in seeking the peace of these your new neighbors. Home will be found in moving forward in your new context. Not reaching backward. 
There's a reason that Jeremiah 29.7 has become a verse of prominent consideration over the past really 20 or so years in the church in North America. Because we all together have experienced the rapid cultural shift from a time not so long ago where the church played an assumed and, and prominent role in society and, and, and to where the church is, is now much more on the margins of, of influence. The, the church is not an assumed part of life for an ever-growing group of religious nuns. And so while the building has not moved, at some very real level we are in at a home not of our own choosing. There is a new context. And sometimes the church in these moments is is tempted towards a certain insularity. In our grief, we can be tempted to hold on to a a version of, of home, a certain way of being and doing in society. And Jeremiah's word to the church is, here's the game plan. In the city where I have brought you in your new context, make a home. Seek the good, the well-being, the peace of these, your new neighbors. Pray for them. Indeed, your health and vitality is inextricably interwoven with theirs. Notably, Jeremiah does not exhort the people of God to, to go out and succeed. Go out and answer all the tough questions. Go out, make everything perfect in this city and in, in your church, this new reality, this new season of life. Get it done. The word is seek. Seek the peace. I asked one of the elders in this congregation about this verse earlier in the week, and I like how he put it. He said, you know, seeking is a wandering forward. as like on a scavenger hunt. You don't know exactly where you need to go, but you only will find it if you are first in motion. Fast forward a few years with our friends in Milwaukee. They've been driving uh, a good bit from the city out to the suburbs to this large Reformed Church of America church because it, it honestly it felt the most like the church of their youth, home. But then this large church starts talking about doing a church plant in the heart of Milwaukee. And well, that's where our friends live. And so they decide to risk jumping on being some of the early folks, the core leadership of this, this thing. They begin gathering as a small team, and, and, they, and they, do. they look at Jeremiah 29 and, and, and start to note how, you know, Jeremiah 29, its exhortation, really, it echoes the, the gospel itself, right? Because Jesus himself, he, he did not want a world of, of, of sin and brokenness. Still, he moved into our context, into our neighborhood. The word became flesh. Jesus came all in. And made home here, planted seeds of life here. He came seeking the peace, the well-being, the ultimate good of humanity. In fact, he bound himself so closely to us that his good was our good. His rising from the grave was our rising from the grave. His strength, our strength. It struck them that to be all in for the city in which God has placed them was to share the very good news of Jesus Christ who was all in for the city of humanity. Utterly interwoven into our reality. So they brainstormed, they prayed, they tried some things. They were seeking and scavenger hunting forward. Looking for the peace, the good, the health, not just of what maybe they thought they would like or, or, or church folks would like so that people that don't like their church over there might come and try the new church over here. But truly, what is the good, the peace 
of the city, the multi-varied flavored city of Milwaukee. And over time, my friend David, another guy, they, they, they start talking more and more about the growing craft brew scene going on in the country. And was there a way for that movement to intersect their call as Christians and the church? And, and so what emerges over time is my friend, he drops this law career and goes in on co-founding this idea, this brewery in Milwaukee, downtown Milwaukee, called Good City Brewing. And its tagline on every beer would be, Seek the good. It was an allusion to Jeremiah 29.7. Seek the good, the well-being, the peace, the shalom of the city in which I have brought you. And since its founding a couple of years ago at this point, Good City Brewing has, has thrived from a business standpoint. But more importantly, it has become something of a culture-shaping center in Milwaukee. They made their main tap room very open and purposely welcoming to families Really wanting to invite the different generations to spend time and linger together, not get drunk, but more like a German beer garden. See that as as a space where the generations actually connect to let families who feel so acutely isolated as they once did know something of an interwoven connection. And then they brought in the mayor and the city leaders and local nonprofits and church leaders to give talks and lead discussions on pressing issues of their city and our time. And to a large group of people hungering for meaningful ways to connect, to share family time with other families, to have space to open up about those tough topics. Good city is good news. To be sure, the brewery is not the church. The church ever meets every Sunday for worship in a building downtown. But some of the core leaders of the church founded this brewery as an expression of the church's desire to be foremost about the well-being, the good, the peace of their city. And more than any other time in, our li- in their lives, our two friends who are far from the Cincinnati in which they grew up and far from the Presbyterian church of their youth, far from their original wonderful friends or their college friends of North Carolina, far for him from the wonderful career trajectory in law he imagined. These friends who are so far from home in so many ways, they will tell you they've never felt more at home. Seek the peace of the city into which I have brought you, for in their peace you will find your peace. Now, we may not be called to found a brewery or do anything near that kind of magnitude, but, but in our job, in our church, in our way of being, in our neighborhood, in a specific relationship... In what specific way are we being called to seek the good in this all-in manner that the Lord himself has sought us? Jeremiah's word to a people with a lot of boxes, boxes of memories, boxes of anger, boxes of regret, boxes of bitterness, boxes from the past. Jeremiah's word is to unpack in the new home to settle into the new season, to seek the good of the people right around you, for actually in their good is your good, your peace, your home. What does that look like for us this day? 
And perhaps our Lord anticipated how scary this would be for, for the exiles who, who, like us, risk unpacking, risk the letting go that's involved in a move. Because will it work out? Am I betraying my old home if I... Perhaps the Lord anticipated this. And so following just, just a bit right after on the heels of this exhortation to unpack and seek the good of the city. And we hear a few words about, and by the way, you're going to be there for a while, so settle in. And then right after that, we hear those wonderful words of promise. I think all of us have heard many times, but maybe we didn't realize that these specific words come to a people in exile who are moving and they don't want to move. For surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for your harm. To give you a future with hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. Zion of yesterday will not be had, not in the same way. But this day we are most definitely at home in Jesus Christ and the promise of discovering new depths of life and joy in that home is assured as we seek and we stumble and we unpack forward in this new context into which our God has brought us. Amen.